everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing in life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA at pnwa.org. So, all right, this is it, my last show of 2023. I always take a couple weeks off around this time of year, but I'll be back the first year. And oh, it was a good one, a good one to go out on. Debut novelist. I love talking to new novelists. Mojgan Gazarad was a, well, she's a native of Iran, and she's also a medical doctor and uh, currently works as an assistant professor of pediatrics at the George Washington University. She holds an MFA in creative writing and has published three collections of short stories. In Farsi, her essays have appeared in Michigan Quarterly, Idaho Review, Long Reads, The Common, Bombay Review, and Assignment. And uh, The House on Sun Street is not only her first novel, but it's the first thing she's written in English. <laughs> How do you like that? She's a doctor. She's got an MFA in creative writing, and she's written in a couple of languages. I don't know. You know, people can do this. So we talked about language, about that, about shifting. That's very interesting. About moving to America, about... Just and and the the interesting journey to a first novel, just what that is. Anyway, we had a great conversation. She's really cool, and I'm glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. Well, everybody, we have with us today debut novelist, yes, Mojgan Gazarad. Mojgan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bill, for, for having me on your show today. My pleasure. Uh, again, congratulations. The book is The House on Sun Street. Came out like October, early October, yeah? Yes, October 3rd, 2023. Yeah. First novel. How do you, how are you do? How do you feel? Are you happy with it? Do you still feel a little something from it? <laughs> of course. I am extra, extra happy about it. It, uh, it was a, uh, Quite a bit of fun interview for me because number one because um I this is my first novel that I'm writing in English before I was writing in Farsi so it was a change of language for me that was a challenge yeah. which I think that it uh really it was a progress a work in progress in the beginning and it got better as I edited on and the second one is that because it um. I was working on an edited, editing it at the time of the pandemic. And as you can see, being as a physician was also very difficult for me yeah. with the work that I had in the hospital and working on editing this novel was really challenging. So I'm quite happy that um, it's finally published and it's out in the world. Yeah, it's great. Congratulations. But as you Thank said, you. you are a doctor. You are uh Pediatric? Is that, did I get that right? I am, yes. Actually, I subspecialize in neonatology, meaning that I work in the NICU, working with premature babies or oh. babies that are at risk at birth and come out and need and require health support after birth. Right. So, you know, so you're an MD and yes. specialized MD, but you also have an MFA. Yes? I do. I do. I do. 
actually that was also something that um you know it has a story on its own so when i decided to write in english uh because you know i've been living in this country for now about 20 21 years like straight and so i decided you know it's time for me to change um the writing in the language of the land that i'm living in right now so i decided to um you know, write in English, but I didn't know where to start because obviously I knew English, not that it was new to me, but writing a novel or even a short story is a different story. So I attended, I think it was one of the uh, writers' conference, a AWP writers' conference. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think it was in Minnesota. Um, and then I, um, serendipitously met uh, the director of Iowa program, MFA program there. It was like one of the panels. And then I was talking to him and I tell was telling him that I'm interested in writing. And he told me, why don't you just go ahead and like um, do an MFA in writing? And I said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know what? There are like, you can get a master's. And I said, well, but I am a full-time physician. He said, well, you can do low residency, which is something that people who are working and cannot dedicate throughout two years of living on campus do. So then I decided and I searched some MFA low residency programs. And finally, I found one in New Hampshire and applied. And actually, I did it during my time that I was working at George Washington Hospital. I was there in the beginning of the semester for a week, and then I came back did my rotation my 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 job my uh shifts and everything so it was challenging but i did um graduate and it really helped me so much in writing this book wow so okay so i've known a lot of people who have done particularly lawyers and doctors who are also writers it's not that uncommon but it's always interesting to me because being one of these things particularly a doctor requires so much so much schooling and so much time and the thing about writing is in general we people who write have always written always love stories and so was there ever a question for you as a young woman as a girl even which direction you would go or was it was it always going to be one of the like was it going to be doctor was it going to be something professional um sometimes i've known a lot of immigrant families who are like no, no the arts are not an option you've got to go do something very practical how was that decision made actually actually that's very right you have it very correctly right i mean <laughs> not in a, i mean i'm coming from an iranian family when yep. my father was saying well I don't think that an artist's life will be a good one for you. So you have to go ahead and choose something in like, I don't know, a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer or something like that. So, uh, and believe it or not, like, you know, in, in Iran, uh, there are two different entrance exams for arts and like science. And I was able to do both of them. So, and then at that point, I knew there was an artist in me, not yeah. in the shape of like maybe I was writing too and I was sketching too. So I got into medical school, Tehran University of Medical Sciences. But at the same time, I got into the graphics school also, which was a, like, you know how you have these like free universities and like private universities and public universities. So yeah. in public, I got to medical school and then for private university, I got to this graphics. And then my father said, well, don't even think about going to. 
Uh, all right. Then, so, so then, but you know, if you love something, you will come back to it. I thought yeah. that I, I felt like I was an artist to begin with. So I could never, I could never quit being one. And so sometime back in my life, I think I was, uh, it was my third year or fourth year of medical school that I felt like, you know, I need to write down everything every day. So I came back to my practice. You know, the, th the first three years of medical school was really impossible for me to write. It was just too much studying yeah. and working. Yeah. But then I came back to the habit of writing every day and I got some few short stories in Iran and publishing here and there. And I immigrated and came to the United States. And what I year did you come? What what year did you come? Was it early 2000s? 2002, I came. Oof, I, okay. I, was, I lived in Vancouver for three years. I was doing a master's in health at that point. So I was in Vancouver, but then I kept, you know, that was the time that people were writing blogs. It was becoming yes. fashionable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Papers. Okay. yeah. Okay. So I started a blog and I was writing in the blog. So that became like a actually structured habit for every day. And after that, I continued and wrote um, then then. I wrote more structured short stories. And after I actually came to United States and I did my residency was the time that I would I had more time so I could do more structured reading and then structured writing at that point. And I published a couple of books um, in Farsi before I went to MFA to do my novel. And so... Um, I, you know, I, I've known some people who've come from Iran, um, writers and, um, you know, and I've known people who've grown up in say very conservative religious communities and the arts and some, and more conservative communities sometimes can kind of clash a little bit because the artist has to be pretty free of thought and sometimes conservative communities, nah, not so into that, um, was that your experience of it in Iran or what did you not because that was not a so, that was a pretty tough time in Iran as I recall it, at that it, point it actually it was you know it was a very you know it was a we have we have still have a very conservative government but my family was not a conservative one I would right. say that they were secular and that was you know that was a norm for many Iranian families at the time of the Shah and the years after that you know um you know, if we were not, I mean, we, we, we practiced like as, as like religion, as ceremonies, like getting together right, and right. eating and having. Like eating. a lot of people do, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. how the people do like Christmas and get yes. together at that time. Right. So we were doing that, not really kind of like religious to the point that we have right. to do every single thing. That was not. And so that gave me time, I mean, freedom to think of and experience things. I know so many people and girls in Iran were not as lucky as me because they had very religious families who didn't let them do many things that I was free to do and think and explore. Yeah, it's very important. Very important that you got to do that. And so here you are, you write your first novel, you do it in, you were writing stories in Farsi, but you wanted to write in English. So I speak English and that's it. And I'm okay at it. But that's all I could do. Um, and that's all I've ever written in, obviously. You're great at it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I got one language. That's I have friends who can do many, but this is all I got. So when so your language is your tool. When you shift it over, obviously you're fluent. Um, but I would writing is such a 
you know, you're dealing with the nuance of language when you write to really enjoy it. And so what was, was there a challenge in shifting languages in just aside from, I would think just how you think and how you, because there are probably words in um, Iranian that aren't in English and that you would sometimes reach for. Like, so what was the challenge? How was that shift? Yeah, I think that uh, the, ch the shift was a challenge because uh, I think that when I originally got into this country, I was thinking in Farsi and obviously I was writing in, I mean, re writing in Farsi most of the time. Right. But, you know, I, but, but reading, obviously I was fluent in reading, you know, right. so long when I was a child. I, I, I mean, I read a lot of English when I was, the, when I was a child. So, or when I became an adult and so I, that I never had a problem with, but thinking in English or like coming with words, finding the word that was <clears throat> something that it i uh i felt like some sometime during the years that i was like trying and like the early years maybe in 2016 2017 that i was like writing more in english i felt like this changed and then the language that i was thinking of changed to english oh wow that so, i felt that now when i'm thinking and making judgments in my mind and using English and so that's that's how it up uh, not that I cannot do it in Farsi too I can but still if this change happened and you know as a person who loves that loves language what I did is that you know what I play a lot with words and language at, at home so so like what I will say like my one of my routines is that I start my day with right reading a poem most of the time a Farsi poem, obviously, like from Mevlana Rumi or from Hafez. So that's how big. And so I start with the rhythm of words. And what I did in English also, like, you know, I pause and listen to the music of words and I looked at some roots when and then the 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 differences or the similarities between what I said in Farsi and what I said in English. And so that spending time with language really helped me to become, I feel like a better writer in English and um, helped me. Though I would say still, if you, the people who read my book, especially the original versions of it, they said that they could feel the otherness of this English in this book too. I don't know if you feel it or not, but I mean, but maybe you can well, see. it's it's interesting because the 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 voice to some degree, at least yeah, certainly beginning, because there's it's almost because it begins just for our listeners. It is set at least initially in Tehran. We it follows a young girl moving from during the time of the revolution, and what I felt I didn't actually know much about your history. I suspected you had you were born at some point, but I didn't know the whole history. But I felt like the voice was trying to capture an Iranian voice. In other words, a voice of because also the book deals with story, it deals with old stories that and it almost felt like it was mimicking a little bit of the language. And I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but I kind of liked it. It felt like I don't know the I think that I didn't. I. I don't think it was mimicking. It was authentic to the voice because of the. Uh, I'm trying to capture at least to echo exactly. that kind of yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. So I feel like that is also something that it comes with the people who, the writers who are like having another background, another uh, English, um, language, 
other language than English, but then end up writing in English. That they keep that, that I don't know if that's the voice, that's the rhythm, that otherness, as you guys call it. So in their, <laughs> in their writing. <laughs> but you know what's good is, because language is, is so fluid. It's so flexible. Exactly. It's so evolutionary. I mean, English it's no it's 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 nordic it's roman it's french it's it's just all this stuff it's a great big stew and i feel and it's yiddish italian all this stuff gets in there right and so as i feel like someone who writes who wrote and thought in farsi starts writing in english maybe you find something that we didn't who's someone native to english maybe you find a little some kind of playfulness that wasn't there Otherwise, I just think let everybody try it and do with it. There's no one way to do it. That's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I enjoy writing it in English because I write something and I send it to my friend, my writer friends, and because like, oh, I never heard that like phrase like say saying yeah. this way. Or I sometimes send it. You know, I write write things and send it to my daughter, who obviously is like a now like her English is her main language. So right. I said, oh, right. my mom, we don't say it like this. You said it the way that you have said in Farsi. We don't say it like so I then I see, okay, yeah, you see, even though I am like I'm writing in English, there are things so embedded in me, Farsi, that it even turns out like that. So it's very funny and it's enjoyable. And I think that this is all about writing in uh, that some part of it you want to enjoy you know yeah. enjoy the the beauty of language perceiving the language the nuances as you said and telling the story in the most beautiful fashionable and understandable way how was it putting yourself back in iran of course it's back you weren't so you weren't living were you living trying to get i don't know i don't know your age but it seems like you might have been i don't know <laughs> yeah i was a very young child at the time of the revolution okay i mean a few years old right um but then um yeah it was it is plus as as i i've said in multiple like events that i've had have gone is this is a uh like an autobiographical novel meaning that Many, many many events are in the book have I mean they have roots in my own life right but not necessarily everything that happens in the book to the character the first character sure. of the book as has happened to my in my life yes yeah, so I did live in Iran at the time of war at the time of revolution the things that happened to my family pretty much and uh, but I also did come to United States uh, at the time of the worst timing, I guess. Yeah. Iranian, Iranian hold, uh, <laughs> like uh, Iranian holding um, U.S. Um, consulate as a hostage. So uh, it was it was a tough time. And yeah. uh, they do come from my own experiences of life. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so you've. How long did it take you to write the book? Like, but you said you started in two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. I think I started writing the book in two thousand sixteen, and I finished it about. Uh, I think about two, about two years that it, I finished it. But then I also it took me out um, maybe a couple of years to edit and get it better, sure. and then. And then I think at the end of 2018, this was the time that my <clears throat> I found an agent and then she looked at it and I made some changes and then we 
start like shopping around to yeah. see if we can sell the book. Yeah, so but but as I say, it was then that that time at the end of 2008, by the time she was trying to sell the book, COVID hit and everything went to a stop. Yeah, yeah. So and I was busy in the hospital. So I think everything was like and had a loose end from this side. And yeah, so I think it took me about four or five good four or five years to make it as mature as it is right now. Yeah. From the time I started writing it to the time it was a finished product. So aside from having to learn to write in a different language, what was the biggest thing you learned about novels? When you when you having written a novel, what part what was the hard part that you didn't anticipate? The thing that you had to learn that you didn't realize you were going to have to learn? I I feel like, you know, <clears throat> when you're writing a, a long, uh, like a novel, obviously the character development is one of the most, most challenging um, part in writing a novel, not just the first character or the other supporting characters as well. Each one of them needs to be developed on the page. And also... I think that there are a lot of like, you know, how as how as artists, we try to like put and spot, I mean, like place things in different scenes and then get harvest from it, from whatever they say in a, like a following chapters. Those were the ones I like the planning of the whole plot and using those little things, you know, was the most challenging and also the most um I mean, and I like that so much because it had the challenge and made me, okay, so what you have already talked about that, how are you going to use it later on in the story? So that was um, that was one thing that I really enjoyed and worked on it. And also one thing that really is specific for this book is the use of um, the stories of 1001 Nights because every story in my book... <clears throat> Every chapter in my book is like um, using a story of one thousand and one night, and that story is like is like a like a trellis for that um, right. that I'm going to tell. So, the challenge was also so how to connect that story with um, what I was trying to tell about uh, the narrator was trying to tell in the story. So. Um, it it was it was nice and it needed a lot of like you know thinking and how am I going to progress in writing the story, but it also the artfulness of it came from there you know like how I was getting the connections and um, this is something that I think that has become it's a, it's a it's a power in the story. Yeah. That, I, I really love the device of using uh, having each chapter related to one of the stories from a thousand one nights. Was that something that you was that something you went in wanting to do or it just sort of bubbled up as you were working on it? Yeah. So you know how you brainstorm when you want to write a novel and then you <laughs> yeah. have all these sketches and things like that. So I remember the time that my father my grandfather started reading the book for me. And then the first encounter I had with the story, and it was just amazing and how it has a it had a long lasting effect on me and how it seeded the love for storytelling in me. I took that hymn and I 
I sometimes think I was bewitched by his voice. Every every Thursday, I just wanted to just fly to go to their house so that he can tell me the the rest of the story that I had heard last week. So then when I wanted to write this novel, and I said, well, you know what, it's I cannot write it without having any connection with this book because it is it is something at the core of the the story and how 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 the love is embedded in it so and it and 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 in the and when i was kind of like when i started to write then i decided you know no yes i am going to write it in this in this in this in this way wow and you know i am i am a a kind of a writer some writers i kind of like write and then yeah and then um you know, then then decide what they want to do. But then, you know, I'm one of those writers who kind of like knows where she wants to end and she has uh, the the plot already in her mind. And so I knew what I want to go, what I want to tell. And then I started writing to get to the end that I wanted. So and it was pretty planned. It was, and, and the plan remained throughout? In other words, you where you wanted to end is where you ended? well I mean I could have I could have you know so when I finished the book a couple of my like the people who were kind of like reading close read it or my better readers and so you know you have to write another book because if you feel like you can go on and write more about it and it was true actually I could have you know I could have just did a couple more couple hundred more pages and make it two two books but you know at some point, I decided, you know, um, this is a place that I felt I can finish the book and what I wanted to picture and say it's said and it's said the way that I wanted so I can stop here. Right. Uh, I mean, it was not the end um, originally, but it's one of the final like stops. Not, not, you know, that you see that how you can have different stop, different endings. And so this was one of them. I could have gone a few more years, but then I thought, well, you know, this no, is No, sometimes, I remember reading in uh, A Movable Feast, Hemingway talks, Ernest Hemingway talks about writing, discovering how he wanted to write. And he talked about, I thought this was interesting, that he learned to end before the end, that he would end the story before the ending, that he would imply the ending as opposed to giving you the ending, which I thought was a a pretty good writing piece of writing advice in a certain way sometimes you watch movies in particular they'll do like four endings they'll just do an ending and then oh now we're gonna go another year and then we'll go another year just like we already got it we already got it well well, maybe you just have another book to write i'll bet you do i'll bet you do i do i do i am actually like the i am i can editing uh my second novel at the point but it has nothing to do with this one of my life Well, that's excellent. So the book is The House on Sun Street. Lovely book. Compelling book. If you like history, you can read it. If you just like stories, you can read it. If you like, anyway, there's a lot of good reasons to write it. It's a beautiful book. Congratulations. I hope you're proud of yourself. You should be. Uh, Thank you. But I'm not quite done with you. Not quite done with you. (laughs) I have uh, one more question. I want you to think about all the writing you've done in your life, both in Farsi and in English, all the writing. And if it's taught you anything about being a person about life what has it taught you well i think that this is always what i think is that writing um 
because I always think about how other other people's in my stories think and feel has be, has made me become a more compassionate person in my life and I think that's uh, that's that's what I think that the novel should should do in this world that makes make us like put ourselves in other people's lives and the situations they have the hardship they go through and understand and then that um to bring us uh humans closer to each other no matter what 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 origin we have what differences we have what part of the world we come from that is an excellent answer an excellent answer Mojgan, thank you so much thank you so much bill for having me Yeah, good answer to end the year on. Compassion. Compassion. Can never have enough of it. Can never be too compassionate. It's impossible. I want to thank my friend, my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you. To all of you out there, not now when. Spend the next couple of weeks focusing on what you love. What you love to do, what you love to write, what you love to read, the people you love to hang around with, what you love to eat, what you love to cook. Yeah, yeah. Focus on something you love to do and do it.